The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the conclusion of the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Go into the whole world to proclaim the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak new languages. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he spoke to them, was taken up into heaven and took his seat at the right hand of God. But they went forth and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word through accompanying signs. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> Today, as the prayers of the Mass indicate in the readings, we celebrate the solemnity of the ascension of our Lord. Our first reading indicated that after our Lord was raised up from the dead, 40 days he spent among his disciples and apostles. And then at the end of 40 days, he ascended into heaven and there remains. Nine days after that, so the disciples were encouraged to go and to pray for nine days to pray for the Holy Spirit. So the first novena, they offered these prayers. And then on the last day, the 50th day, we celebrated Pentecost and the descent of the Holy Spirit. So for us in this time, usually the ascension would be celebrated on Thursday, uh, and then nine days of prayer, and then Pentecost, which we'll celebrate next Sunday. But on account of the importance of the occasion and the desire for a larger number of the faithful to celebrate uh, this great feast, uh, the majority of the diocese in the U.S. move the feast from Thursday to Sunday. And so that's why today we celebrate this celebration of the ascension of our Lord. And the ascension of the Lord shows to us some important things. It shows to us basically two kind of main points. It tells us much about Christ, and it tells us much about ourselves. First, we look to the Lord. As we go through the Gospels, we hear that Jesus makes a large number of incredible claims. It leads people to believe one of two things. Either the man is absolutely crazy or he's right. One or the other. And so we look at the things that he did and we look at the things that he said to us and whether they were fulfilled or not. And we see that the ascension of our Lord is a piece of the larger puzzle that shows us that Christ, rather than being crazy, was actually just telling the truth to us. By virtue of the resurrection from the dead, his ascension into heaven, and then his sending of the Holy Spirit to us, he shows us that everything that he promised, he could do. Everything he said was right. And so, we should follow. We should believe. Even if things are difficult for us to understand, the Lord has the words of eternal life, as Peter says. And so we place our trust in him. So we see first that Christ tells us the truth. 
he is worth placing our faith in. The Feast of the Ascension, as our second reading today indicated to us, also shows us that Christ rightly has all glory, honor, power, and dominion. That whenever he took on our flesh, he emptied himself of these things. He came among us, as St. Paul describes, as a slave, being completely obedient to the will of the Father, no matter the cost, even to death, death on the cross. And so he comes to us, emptied of glory. It doesn't look like he's the King of kings and Lord of lords to us most of the time. In fact, that's one of the things that causes so much confusion and scandal is they look at him and they go, wait, we know his family. <laughs> they, they live down the road from us. We, we've, seen him, we've seen him here for 30 years now. What, how is he the Christ? And they're confused by it, shocked by it. It becomes difficult to believe. And yet the reality is that in the ascension, he goes back to the Father to reclaim what was rightly his from the start. He ascends into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God and given all power and authority. He reigns over the nations and he waits. He waits for us to be able to come and to allow him to give dominion in our hearts as well. And so we see that Christ truly has all authority, that it is his, and it's his to exercise. Not only that, we recognize too that Christ in ascending to heaven goes to prepare the way. Our opening prayer today indicated that. It says, where the head is gone in glory, the body is called to follow in hope. Christ, our head, has gone. He has ascended. He has gone to the Father. He has gone to prepare a place for us. And as he told his disciples, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back to you and take you to myself, so that where I am, you also may be. It's an indicator that Christ shows to us by his own ascension into heaven that we are not made for this world. That we were created for heaven. We were created for union with the Father. And that Christ goes to prepare it for us. It goes... To get our room ready in a sense. The ascension of Christ is for us a reminder that heaven awaits. That all the sufferings that we endure, much like Christ, because Christ the head suffered, therefore Christ and his body will suffer. That we also will be raised up in the resurrection of the dead. And if he judges us worthy, we enter into the kingdom And we share in his authority. We share in his dominion. We share in his power. We share in his holiness. It's an occasion of great joy to reflect upon that. And to see that Christ invites us not just to be members on the outside of something, but to be members in the heart of God. So great is his love for us. So the ascension shows us much about Christ. His humility, his obedience, his love, his mercy, and his desire To bring us to himself and to join with him in his honor and his dominion and glory in heaven. But it also speaks much to us in our mission here on earth. Because again, the head has gone, but the body has not yet followed. At least not entirely. We're still here. 
And so we take our cue from what exactly takes place for the disciples. Because the Lord ascends into heaven, but the disciples, as we know, are left on the ground. In our reading today, we hear something of the utter confusion that the disciples experience. Oftentimes what happens with the disciples whenever Jesus speaks or when Jesus does something, it takes it a while to sink in. After the resurrection, it's days and days before they really understand kind of what's starting to happen. Before their eyes really begin to adjust to the new light in a certain sense of the resurrection. And with the ascension of our Lord, it's something that just doesn't happen. I mean, who among us has been talking with a friend and then they just... Right on up. That doesn't happen. If that happened, if if I was talking with someone that I knew that I'd been, you know, kind of walking with for three years, we had shared, we had shared meals together, we had, you know, shared our our, our ministry and our work together, and they just right on up into heaven. You better believe I would be standing there going, uh, what? (laughs) You know, if anyone else was around, as the other disciples were, I'd kind of look at them and be like. Y'all saw that, right? That wasn't just me. That He just ride on up into heaven. And so there's a sense in which the apostles are looking into the sky and they are just completely dumbfounded. They have no idea what to do with the reality that just happened. At least with the resurrection, they didn't see it taking place. They saw the fruits of it. They saw that, that Jesus appeared to them later. They didn't see the actual resurrection itself in the moment. But here they see the ascension in the moment. And they have no idea what to do. And so they're standing there staring into the sky. It shows us a few things. One, it shows us, one, again, that they were shocked. (laughs) That they were wrestling, trying to understand what is Jesus doing? What is happening here? All of these things that Jesus did over and over and again were entirely new. And so it took time to wrestle with it and to come to understand the implications And so first, rightly understandable, shock. But secondly, it shows us something of the expectation that the disciples likely had. We hear in our reading also today that the disciples looking to Jesus said, Are you going to bring the kingdom of of heaven and you're going to bring it to Israel now? Is it time, Lord? And he says, don't worry about the time. That's not for you to be worried about. There was an expectation often Whenever the Lord talked about things that were going to happen, that they were going to happen on the spot. And so you have to wonder if the disciples saw Jesus go into heaven and said, well, how long do you think before he comes back? You know, kind of looking as if they had a wristwatch, you know, looking at each other going, "Okay, well, it's probably going to happen in a second, right? I mean, he's going to heaven, so he's going to bring heaven back to us. And yet it doesn't. The Lord delays. But in the midst, the angels come, clad in white, and they say to the disciples, Men of Galilee, why are you standing there looking in the sky? Why are you standing there looking in the sky? It's an important question for the disciples, and it probably kind of woke them from the shock that they had just experienced. As a little jolt of someone kind of tapping you on the shoulder and going, hey, hey, come back. Come back to reality. Come, come back to, you know, come back to the world in a sense. And the angels, with those few utterances, really give the disciples 
the essence of what's next. Namely, get to work. The Lord has ascended, and he will send the Holy Spirit. And he said, go and pray. Prepare for it. Because when that happens, then it's your turn. Christ has done his part. He has fulfilled his mission. And now the mission is given to you. The mission is in the hands of the church. And the mission is ours today too. It's easy for us, I think, sometimes to look into the sky. Sometimes to expect instantaneous results. Oftentimes they don't happen. It's easy for us to stand gazing into the sky in a certain sense, waiting for Jesus to do something. When in fact the reality is that God has done his part. It's time for us to get to work. There's a sense in which indeed God does do or permit everything. Every breath that we have is because God has chosen to give it to us. Every moment that we can do anything that we do is because God has chosen to allow it. He's chosen to permit these things out of love for us. But the reality is that God also entrusts much of his work of salvation to us because we are the body of Christ. We're not distinct from Christ himself. Everything that Christ experiences, we will experience. Everything that Christ suffers, so also we will suffer. And every joy that Christ has, so also we will share one day. Christ came with one simple mission. To preach the gospel that all might be able to hear the good news and be saved. That's our task. To go forth and proclaim the gospel to all creatures. It's easy for us as a Catholic church, I think, and as Catholics in general, to be content just to kind of... Shrink back and let someone else do the work. It's easy for us because we're such a huge body. That we can seem as if, well, what's one member? What does one person really matter? I mean, you know, and and sometimes we think because there are so many different parts of the body. that, That certainly I can't do that job. That's someone else's job. And so we dismiss ourselves easily from being able to go forth and to make disciples. How many times have I heard people remark, either directly or indirectly, that it's not really their job to learn about the faith or to tell other people about the faith? That's Father's job. To which I respond, false. (laughs) My job is to give the people of God every tool necessary for you to do your job, namely, to go forth into the world and be salt and light. Because I can't be where you are. Your job is to go forth and to make disciples in your homes, in your neighborhoods, at school, at work, at the grocery store, at every place you find yourself. I'm not there. It's your task because you are present there. You are the body of Christ to someone. And what a gift to be so. What a gift to be invited into the mission of Jesus Christ. And yet sometimes we can forget it. We can presume that we're not worthy of it, that that, that we're not smart enough, and we don't have the education, we don't have this, that, or the other thing. Christ doesn't ask us to have all of these things. He asks one thing of us, namely to love. 
If we love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength, He will help us do the rest. We simply need to be His instruments and to be willing to go forth and to share the good news. As I was thinking about this reality of going forth and sharing the good news with others, I was reflecting specifically how Jesus describes it in the gospel as go forth to proclaim the good news to every creature. I was reflecting on two of the great saints of the church, two phenomenal preachers of the church who had a passionate love for Jesus Christ and couldn't help but share it with others. One was St. Francis of Assisi. St. Francis, of course, we know, had a great love for the poor, a great love for those who were in need. And we, have, we know that we had a great love for creation in general. I'm sure most of us have, or at least have seen, uh, the statues of St. Francis in, in, your, you know, in, the, in the, uh, the little flower garden or something in your yard. And it's usually Francis with a bird on his hand and this kind of thing. And it's not just because it's a cute thing and you love nature. Part of the beauty of it is, is that statue, as we have Francis with birds on him, it's a reminder of his love for Christ. That Christ was so powerfully working through Francis that he shared the gospel literally to every creature. Even the birds. There are stories recounting of how Francis would go out into the woods and he would preach and the animals would gather around him to listen. The birds would listen to the good news of the gospel. And they would sing their song in proclamation of the joy that followed. A few decades later, another great Franciscan taking after his spiritual father Francis was St. Anthony of Padua. St. Anthony was one who also had a phenomenal gift for preaching the word of God. And he went forth from town to town as they were, as they were called to do. And they would preach. And he came to one particular town. And no one would listen. He was giving it his best shot and no one would hear the words of God. And he said, fine, if you will not listen, I will go to the fish. And he walked to the seashore next to him and he began to preach. And lo and behold, a huge number of fish came and poked their heads up out of the water and listened attentively. Now, if that sounds crazy or made up, that's not even the tip of the iceberg of the weird things that have happened in the life of the church. I can tell you that. And they're true. These strange events show us the reality that all creation needs the gospel. Even the fish and the birds. Sometimes it takes a crazy saint to be able to be willing to go forth and to actually do it. But for us, our lot is rather simple. Take the good news that we receive here every single Sunday. And to go forth out of those doors and wherever, we t- wherever it takes us next, share it. Bring the goodness of Christ. Let people know that he is the truth. That he is merciful, that he is love, that he is faithful to us, that all of our sorrow in this life has an end and there is hope beyond what we experience here. That God is a good God, a loving God, a loving Father, and he longs for nothing else than for us to come to him and show love, to love and to be loved. This is the desire of God for us.
This is our mission given to us by Christ. The Ascension again tells us many things about Christ himself. But how blessed are we to recognize that one of the greatest of those things is that his mission is now ours. That we, lowly that we may be, imperfect though we may be, are asked, called, invited, commanded to go forth and to be Christ to others. God is faithful to us. Let us place our faith in him.